Alright, everybody, welcome back to a new episode. Um, so, lately you've been hearing a lot about me um, going against a certain person um, that likes to criticize Christianity, that likes to criticize, you know, a specific faith, religion, if you will, from what other people call it. I call it more of a relationship and a spirituality to God. Um, he talks about the Gnostic beliefs. He has his own mathematical theories of it. And we're going to go away from that right now. I don't want to attack him anymore. Um, I, I didn't even mean to attack him if that's what, you know, if he... I don't know. He hasn't reached out to me at, at all. But, um, you know, I, I don't really think that he would have anyway because I don't have um, a humongous following like he does. Um, unfortunately, whether, you know, he did hear it or not, my opinion of his beliefs wouldn't change, you know, I mean, I would listen to them and try to understand, but I don't know how the, uh, the talk conversation or debate would go if we ended up diving, did have a debate. So, um, the readings for the Sabbath will be Leviticus 16.1 to 18.30, um, Amos 9, 7 verses, uh, 9, verse 7 through 15, and Hebrews 9, 11 through 28. Uh, on the other side, there's going to be also Leviticus 19, verse 1 through 20, verse 27, Ezekiel 20, verse 2 through 20, 20 and then 22, verse 1 through 19, and 1 Peter 1 through 13, 16, which I'll have all in the show notes for you. Um, so as of right now, April is kind of a very big day for Israel. On the 14th of April was Israel's Memorial Day. On the 8th of April was the Holocaust Memorial Day. And on the April 15th was Israel's Independence Day. Um... Uh, on the 26th of April is the second Passover, and that is for people who didn't do the Passover. They can actually redo the Passover if they never did it um, during the first Passover and, you know, do it then. Um, on the 13th, there is a new moon, new month cycle, which is based on the Hebrew calendar. And... Of course, April 4th, the tradition of um, Easter, um, the rising of Christ from death, from his crucif uh, crucifixion, um, and or the stabbing of the Spear of Destiny um, that is set in the, the Catholic faith. Um as we are going to talk right now, um, I'm going to basically just cut it down very simply and go into God being with us and God allowing evil. There's a difference between God allowing evil and God being evil. Now, the reason why I'm doing this and I'm not going to point out specific people is because I'm 
that's their own belief system. And if they believe that Yehovah um, or Yahweh or whichever um, you guys want to call him, Jesus, Isis, Yeshua, um, there's so many different names for God, but, you know, the great I am. Um, so anyway, God allowing evil is different than God being evil. And the reason why I'm saying that is that in Proverbs 16, verse 4, it says, The Lord has made everything for his purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. So what does that tell us? What is, you know, is God making evil things? Well, no, God gave us free will. So God allows wicked things to happen in this world, allows evil things in this world to happen because it is not his job to intermingle with us and cause the, uh, you know, everything to stop. You know, a lot of people will say, well, there's wars going on. Where is God protecting these innocent children? Where is God feeding the starving people? Well, I'm going to tell you right now, when Jesus came, Jesus did do that kind of stuff. He did help out the poor. He did help out the blind. He did help out the, the leprosy diseases. He did um, sacrifice himself. Now, did that change any of the wicked things that have happened when Jesus was walking on earth? The Pharisees still wanted to kill Jesus. Jesus spoke against the Pharisees because he knew that they were teaching the wrong things. And he, they were doing the wrong things. They were looking at the faith of people and taking money from it. Jesus even got mad when he went into the temple and saw people gambling and making money and profit off of it. When it's supposed to be a complete spiritual thing. Now, I'm not saying churches asking for money or donating to a church is bad, but I'm saying that when you have certain people in churches that are looking for money, that is when it gets wrong. You know, God has a purpose for each and every one of us. And a lot of us don't fulfill the purpose that we need because we see more of a worldly desire for ourselves. So, in Isaiah 45, verse 7, um, I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. Now, in that sense, he's cre he creates all the stuff that's happening. He's allowing it to all happen. People are running back and forth. They're causing wars. They're fighting for their beliefs. Um, you have a lot of the radical Islamic nation that are killing people. You have the black and white communities fighting against each other. Um, one side of it is white privilege. The other side of it is... Black people want a privilege card. I don't know if that... I'm not saying that to be racist or anything like that. I'm saying that is basically... That is basically... I understand um, people of color want to have a fairness. They don't want to be 
pushed out and outcasted. And according to the Bible, in the book of Revelations, when Jesus comes down, he is a burnt bronze skin color, which I guess you could say is black, with white hair and, like, fiery eyes. Now, we're all portrayed Jesus has to have long hair, a beard, and very, very handsome looking. Regardless of what God looks like, I, that's not really the point. You know, whether Jesus looks like that or not, it's not the case that what he looks like is, is what matters. It's how he treated everybody. And everybody was treated equal in his eyes, whether it was the Samaritan woman, you know, um, Judas that betrayed him. And he knew he was going to be betrayed by Judas, but he still accepted him. You know, um, Romans 8, verse 28, Paul wrote a very, um, when Paul was shown the light, when he was blind, he became this very ongoing, powerful person. And I don't want to say powerful as in like a godly power, but he became a person that really wanted to change the world and bring God to everybody. In Romans 8.28, and we know for those who love God, all things work together for good. For all those who are called according to his purpose. Everybody has a purpose for God. Everybody does. This might be my purpose. I don't know. But... When it comes down to how the world is today and how people um, extend their lives and, you know, I, I hate to say it, routinely become um, conformed into the reality of this world, whether they're politicians, whether they're priests, whether they're anything. It doesn't matter what form of power they have, what form of government they serve, what for, form of anything. It's to the point now that we, the people of faith need to band together. And I speak on this not because I agree with Islam as a religion. I'm not Muslim, okay? So I'm not going to tell you to convert to Islam or anything like that. But they believe, and their own Quran speaks a lot about Jesus, or Isa, as it's um, stated in their book. Um, Allah, which is God and... Um, Funnily enough, uh, the, I believe the Greek word of God, it was Elua or something like that. Something that it started with an E, I believe, but it sounded like Allah. And regardless of any of that, regardless of language or anything, the Muslims book tells us, the Quran actually tells us what the people of the book go by which was revealed to them, but the people of the gospel go by which revealed to them. 
you know. In a lot of cases, they say that the Quran was based for everybody and the gospel was based for the Jewish people. But regardless of whether that's true or not, the whole thing is, is the Torah, the gospel, and if the Quran, I have to still study it more, so I'm not saying 100%, but if the Quran is 100% stating that our God is the same God, we all need to protect each other. Because it's going to come to a point in time where I personally believe, because of this whole Dr. Seuss thing, that any book that creates a division within people will be banned, will be taken from us. And although the Bible is a book, they can never take away our faith. Now, when I state that, I'm saying it to you. Read your Bible. Read it. Understand it. If you don't understand the first time, reread it again. Reread the same verse over and over and over. If you can't understand it, go to a uh, pastor or something that you trust. If, the, if you don't like their answer, look it up. Google it. Try to figure something out. Try to look up the origins of the word. A lot of people think that Revelations um, in the Catholic Bible is named Apocalypse. And a lot of people that read apocalyptic books, anything that's post-apocalyptic or anything like that, it's all about the end of the world. It's not. The actual origin of Apocalypse comes from the Greek word Apo, which means un, and then kolopolis uh, uh, or something like that. Yeah. Anyway, I'm sorry I'm bad with words, but the second part of it means unveiling. So, or veiling. So, apo means un, kolopolis means veiling. So, it's unveiling of the world. It's God showing us what the truth is. God's going to come down. He's going to explain it all to us. And we're going to have to make a choice in that tribulation period. Or at least the people that are in the tribulation are going to have to make that choice. We talk about a lot of the things in the Bible that happen that are negative. We talk about the destructions of cities. We talk about Sodom and Gomorrah. We talk about the great floods. We talk about the wars that have happened. Um, the, the slayings of different people and judges. A lot of people say that God went against his, against his own commandments. Now, I'm going to put this into plain view. Is it against the law for us to kill people? It is. What is one of the biggest things that are happening today is people are looking at cops because they kill. Now, whether they're killing in self-defense or they're killing because they have the power to do it, those are two different things. God has never killed because he just wanted to. God killed to protect his people the Israeli people, the Hebrews. He wanted to protect them. 
if we go all the way back to the very beginning with Exodus, we understand that Moses went into Egypt to save his people, and he gave the Pharaoh many, many warnings of the things that would follow. And the Pharaoh, what did he do? He said, get out of here, Moses. My heart has become hardened, and I do not want to hear about your fake God. You know, the Pharaoh was completely repulsed by his former, I guess you could say, stepbrother. He didn't want anything to do with Moses, you know, at that time. Moses kept coming back, let my people go. God is going to do something bad, man. He's going to do this. He's going to turn, you know, your, your rivers are going to be filled with blood. You know, there's going to be infestations. You're going to have no crops. You're going to have no, nothing to eat. You're going to, you're going to be in danger, you know. And at that last time, he goes up to him and he says, You need to heed my warning. This is the final one. And if this, uh, this is going to be a bad one, let my people go or the firstborn of everybody will die. So, again, the Pharaoh's heart got hardened, and he said, leave this place. I never want to see you again. And Moses left. He told all the Hebrews, all, the, all his people in the thing, paint your doors with the blood of a lamb. So when the Passover comes by, they will leave and not take your firstborn. Where is that being God evil? Where is that saying God is evil? God gave the Pharaoh many chances to keep his own people safe, but he didn't. In Hebrews 12, uh, 11, for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This explains how when we become disciplined in the Lord, when we become rational, when we become good, you know, that as much as the, the hardships that we have and the stuff that comes after the hardships are over, we are going to see the fruit of righteousness we're going to see the, the beauty that God gave us. There's always a, har, a harmonious value to all the evil that has happened. God doesn't do evil for evil. He, God disciplines. Hebrews 12.6 explains that. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. If you even look at all the different people... All the different prophets, they all had hardships. Every single one of them, including Jesus. You even look at Yeshua. He go, he, he's born in a place where he was at that time being ready to be executed at his birth. So they had to leave and flee to Egypt. And as he rose as a kid, he had to hide who he was. And as he grew up, 
he would preach. And his own people in his own town didn't want him there. They said, get out of here. We don't want to listen to your message. You're a liar. And he's like, I'm not lying. I, I know everything that's been written. I've talked to Moses. I've been there before Abraham. Why aren't you listening to me? They all cast him away. They ordered him to be crucified. They threw rocks at him. Everything that he did was to bring us to a better life. To show us the example that we have to do. And he's always been with us for even in the book of Isaiah when they bring us the Emmanuel prophecy. Emmanuel being in Hebrew, God is with us. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous hand. A lot of people will read the Bible. A lot of people will read the Gospel. They'll read each of these single messages, these single verses, and they're going to take those single verses and use them to their own narrative. And this may be this may seem like what I'm doing because there's a story behind each of these narratives. These story the story behind each of these verses. But each of these verses, the narrative behind it, the story, the verse has a narrative that has been harmoniously given to each prophet. That's why you can read a book in the book of the Torah and see a similarity to it in the Tanaka. And you can see a similarity from the Tanaka to the Gospel. You know, as much as I've read about the Quran, I don't see as much of a, of a harmonious balance between those three books. Those three major, you know, books. I mean, there's a lot of books in the Bible, but... The Torah, the Tanaka, and the Gospel are very harmonious in what they do. And a lot of people will try to pick out the things that don't sound harmonious. But they don't read the full narrative. Just like they look at the judges and they're like, if God was so good, why is it an eye for an eye? Or, I'm sorry, it wasn't judges, it was Exodus. But he's like, if God was so good, why did he say eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth? Limb for limb. Well, let's backtrace. In Exodus, he said the judges are to decide that. Not him. God didn't say, I'm going to say, all right, you know, you stole, so he's going to steal something from you. Or you killed uh, his, you know, son, so now he's going to kill your son. You know, he said the judges will decide on what's right. Then he made the judges because Israel kept falling from grace, kept falling from God's word. So I'm going to tell you right now, Revelations in 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him 
and eat with him, and he with me. So, I want you to soon be at your door, and by the door I mean the temple, and by the temple I mean your own body. We are the temple of God. As it states in 1 Corinthians, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God, and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defileth the temple of God, him shall do him shall God destroy, for the temple of God is holy, but which temple ye are. We are the temple of God. Go ahead, knock on your chest. Just like they did in the Wolf of Wall Street, just knock on your chest a little bit, you know? Try to understand. When God is trying to enter the temple, he's trying to enter you. He's not entering the church. He's not entering, you know, that. He's not looking at anything other than you trying to open up yourself to him. So he can live inside you. So he can take your spirit and mold it into what it's supposed to be. And then you move ahead. So I'm going to tell you right now that the evil... And stuff that God does, it's not anything to do with God being evil. He allows evil. He allows discipline. He allows um, consequences to help shape who you are. And unfortunately, today and age, people look at discipline and hardships and stuff like that as a punishment. And yes, they are punishments in some way, but they're supposed to help you out and teach you a lesson in the long run. I can tell you right now, if my parents never disciplined me, I wouldn't have a frame of mind where I felt comfortable in doing what I'm doing. It took a lot for me to get to where I am today in my, you know, my, my Christianity. And maybe one day I'll share my my testimony with everybody but until then if any of you guys are ready to accept Christ as your savior and you know to give up your your life for God you know then please recite the sinner's prayer I'll have it in the show notes for you um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at minister martyr and you can email me with any questions and concerns at ministermartyr at gmail.com. All will be in the show notes. And other than that, have a great rest of your weekend and have a great hot day.